You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to a bonus piece of content on the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. On a Friday afternoon, I recorded, actually on Thursday, an emergency podcast after the Hawks traded Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks. That deal is now official, and Travis Schlenk spoke to the media on Friday afternoon. Travis is the president of basketball operations and the person who would have decided to trade Cam. There's all kinds of factors in play, and I'm actually going to play the entire audio of his press conference. It's about 20 minutes or so on this feed. A little bit of context here at the top, uh, Travis was asked and then actually revealed and confirmed the reporting that Cam Reddish did want did one out of Atlanta. He did ask out of the Hawks over the offseason, was not um, demanding a trade, but uh, as you'll hear Travis get into, he was at least trying to accommodate that as part of this. He does understand the risk of trading Cam and notes his upside um, and the potential for him to become a star somewhere else, as I talked about a little bit on Friday. But uh, this is definitely worth an entire listen for Travis's comments, and uh, we'll have much more context in the future on the Cam Reddish trade, the fallout from there, and uh, everything after that. So without further delay, uh, here is Travis, and I'll come back with a weekend wrap-up podcast talking about two games on Friday and Saturday, but I figured I'd get this piece of audio to you, even though I am on the road and unavailable for uh, extra stuff. As a quick note here, no editing on this audio, so you'll hear questions, you'll hear the uh, the names of the people that are asking the questions, all that fun stuff to give you the full picture. And uh, here is Travis after a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right. We'll take the first question from Paul Newberry. Hey, Travis, can you hear me now? I can. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Uh, well, my camera's broken, or at least that's the story I'm going with and sticking <laughs> with it. So, um, Hey, I, I, uh, just more of a, a big-picture question before I'm sure the questions will come about the trade yesterday. Uh, how much do you think the problems you guys have had with injuries and COVID um, is to blame for where, you, where you're at right now, and how much do you kind of reassessing it the, I think the optimism that everybody had about this team and the moves that were made after last season, what this team was going to be, that maybe that was uh, some of that was uh, not assessed correctly uh, by perhaps you and, and us as well and the media who were, you know, thought this team was probably headed to big things. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I never want to make any excuses, but here's a list of excuses for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We had, a, we had a short off season. We had three of our key guys had uh, procedures over the summer. So, you know, when they came to camp, they weren't, you know, 100%, right? And we kind of know those guys, right? Clint, uh, Kevin, and Bogey. Uh, so, you know, the start of the season, the other factor is, you know, we, we get all those guys back. Maybe they're not at 100%. And, you know, we, 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 we struggled. Um, DeAndre goes down and then just by one person going down, which we had a lot last year, it kind of cleaned up our rotation. You know, early on, you know, I had a lot of guys, Nate trying to figure out who to play, when to play them. And then when DeAndre goes down, you know, we get, get a rhythm and there's kind of a consistent rotation. And then Bogey goes down in the New York game, I believe it was, with his sprained ankle. And now, you know, we have two guys down and then we kind of see a dip. Um, and then, you know, then the COVID stuff happened. And I mean, the COVID stuff was real for us. I mean, I think at one point we had 11 guys in protocols, um, you know, so that 
that that is that is real. Um, now we're at a point where everybody's back, so we don't have any of those excuses anymore. COVID excuses or injury excuses, you know, other than Clint, who's got a sprained ankle, and hopefully, you know, he'll be back in the next few days. So um, certainly, you could say. All right, this is why we got off to a rough start. There are certainly games that we lost during that stretch, the 1st of December, that, that we, you know, we feel like we shouldn't have. And, you know, we've got to take account accountability for that. And, you know, I've, I've said as much publicly. Um, you know, as far as, you know, did we make the wrong assessment? Listen, man, I, I live every day, you know, thinking about every decision that we make. And, um, you know, that, that's part of the job from the smallest, you know, two-way contract, you know, to the big max tr contracts of Trey, like the, the, that stuff is always going through my head, you know, did we make the right call? Did we make the right decision? So um, you guys probably don't spend as much time thinking about it, but, but I certainly do. Um, and so I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I, I certainly spent a lot of time going over it. Um, I still have a ton of confidence in this group. Um, you know, I, I've said, in the past, you know, you, you don't have to make big moves to change it up. I think, you know, to this trade, you know, sometimes you can make a, a minor move and it just change, change kind of the, the trajectory you're on. And that, that's certainly a hope um, that we'll get from this as well. Thanks, Travis. Yep. All right. Next question to Sarah Spencer. Hey, Travis. Um, just overall, what was the thought process with this trade? You spoke to it a little bit at the end there, um, but just what was the thought process behind it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's any secret. Um, you know, Cam had come to us at, um, you know, during the offseason and expressed a desire to, you know, maybe get to a situation where, you know, he could have a little bigger role. Um, you know, he's certainly not the first player that's done that. You know, he went about it the right way. It was no public proclamation. Um, you know, he showed up, went to work every day. Um, but, you know, we told him, listen, if there's something that makes sense for us, we'll certainly take a look at it. Um, so, you know, that, that was a part of it. Um, you know, we, we, we did our best to, you know, my job, as, as I told the team yesterday, when I told them about the trade, you know, my job, when a player, you know, comes to you and says that, you know, you want, we want players that want to be here. We want players that are happy to be here. Right. Um, but, it's also my job to do what's best for the Hawks, not necessarily that player. You know, I, I don't know if New York's going to be the perfect spot for Cam or not, but my job is to get the best value I can for Cam Reddish. And we certainly cameras to the league and, you know, I had conversations, uh, some in-depth conversations with a lot of different teams. And, you know, we feel like this pick um, from Charlotte, even though it does have protections, um, I think my analytics group said, like, there's a 90% chance over the next four years we get this pick. So we think it's a real first round draft pick. It's not, it's not a fake first round draft pick. And, you know, the one thing that I'll say about draft picks, you know, everybody values draft picks. Every team might not value a player, but 29 other teams will value a real first round draft pick. I know you guys have been high on Cam and um, what he can bring to the floor defensively. When you're when you're thinking about uh, going through a trade, going through the trade like this, how do you, as a GM, approach like the cost benefit, you know, analysis of, of letting someone with potential like that go, um, even if it's not being realized, like maybe right now? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the hard part about anytime you're talking about a 22 year old player that you know has played less than 150 games in the league. I think, you know, he's 
you know, super high talent. Um, you know, we all see that, you know, he's got great length. He's got great size. Um, you know, he's got great skill level, um, you know, but, you know, we're, we're trying to blend the team together as well. Um, so we have to take all that stuff into consideration and listen, it, he could certainly go on and have an all-star caliber career. And I wouldn't be shocked at all by that. Um, but he also wouldn't be the first player that didn't have that all-star caliber career with the team that drafted him either. Um, you know, sometimes for whatever the situation, things, things don't click. Um, I listen, I completely understand where New York, New York coming from. If I was New York and I had three first round draft picks the way they did. And you look at Cam Reddish's potential. I, I, I get that. Um, so um, I wish nothing but the best for Cam. Like I, I don't have any ill will towards him at all. Um, you know, we just we try to make the best decisions we can. Um, and, you know, we move forward. All right, next question to Chris Kirschner. Hey, Travis, do you feel like one of the problems that you guys have is having too much depth on the roster and, and guys looking for bigger roles like, like Cam expressed to you? Um, you know, you know, last year we essentially had the same roster. And as I mentioned earlier, it kind of all balanced out because it seemed like somebody was always injured. So, so we didn't, even when somebody came back, it seemed like somebody else went out. Um, you know, this year we haven't, like you could certainly make the argument that, you know, maybe except for a couple guys, there's maybe not a big variance between, um, some guys on our team, you know, a clear cut delineage. Um, so when you're in that situation, you know, you, you have a lot of guys that want to play and you know, that that can be tough for the coach trying to keep everybody happy for sure. All right. At this time, there are currently no hands raised and there we go. Just got two more. Uh, Jeff Schultz. Hey, Travis, just following up uh, one of the early questions, you sort of started to answer, but um, I understand the circumstances. But when you have to let go of a guy who was, I believe, a top 10 pick for you, how difficult is, is that? Um, do, do, you, do you worry about it coming back to burn you? And I'm, I'm just curious about your thought process. Um, I don't know if I worry about it coming back to burn me per se. Um, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Reddish goes on and has a great career. Um, it certainly wouldn't shock me. I think, you know, what we, what we came to is that, you know, he probably wasn't going to have that with us uh, on the, with the current mold. Um, so we try to maximize, you know, the return that we can get for him. Okay. Next question to Kelly Kroll. Hey, Travis, you might have uh, alluded to this when you said sometimes it only takes a minor uh, trade to change the trajectory of a season, but do you anticipate anything more happening? What can you say about anything else you're maybe trying to do right now? You know, one of the reasons why we wanted to um, do this trade a little bit earlier, um, you know, I've seen some people, you know, saying, why wouldn't they wait? Um, we wanted to see if just a little tweak would have an impact. You know, this gives us two, three weeks before the trade deadline to see if, if a small tweak does kind of change the trajectory of the season. So by doing this early, uh, it gives us that little runway to evaluate. And, you know, again, our hope is that this will kind of change the course of the season for us. Uh, next question to Paul Newberry. You talked about uh, speaking with the team and trying to, you know, and expressing that you still got confidence in this season, this is not a move to, to give up on the season. Does it, um, 
you, you kind of feel like you know you have do you worry about that at all that we're, with where y'all are at and making a trade like this uh, that it sends that sort of message either to the team the fans whatever to the league uh, I don't think so um, certainly I don't get the perception from our from our team that they feel like the season's lost I think that you know like all of us they feel like you know we put ourselves in a tough position but um, it's certainly not a hole we can't dig ourselves out of. All right. Another question to Chris. When Nate took over in the second half of the season, uh, this team was around league average when it came to defensive rating. Obviously, you guys are near the bottom of that uh, stat this season. This is mostly still the same roster from last year. What do you see as the main differences for why you guys have struggled defensively? Well, I, I think, you know, quite quite frankly, we, we just haven't been as – good this year guarding the perimeter um you know and, and last year you know clint you know came into the season 100 at the beginning of the season and you know he, he didn't do that this year so when you take those two things um you know it, it's been a bad combination um you know the the other area um you know where we really struggled analytically is transition defense you know, obviously transition, those, those, those are the easiest points you can get to the, in the game. And, you know, we've struggled with that. So, I, you know, when you take those, those three things into consideration, if, even if we just, you know, improved in the transition defense, I think you'd see us climb up the defense rankings uh, quite a bit. All right. Uh, next question, Kevin Chenard. Cam didn't start a whole lot of games this season, and he didn't play that much with Trey uh, as, as a person who had a high usage with the bench, how do you see Cam, how do you see this trade affecting the bench offense, especially in terms of uh, the person who might be running things from the point of attack? Um, you know, when, when healthy, um, again, you know, last year our bench was, was really one of our strengths. You know, they would come into the game and they would either, you know, get the lead for us or extend the leads for us. Um, you know, we, we haven't had that uh, this year to be, you know, honest with ourselves. So, you know, some of that is due because we've had guys coming in and out with all the things we've talked about, all the injuries and the, and the COVID stuff. So, you know, the hope would be that we can get into a, a rhythm and a rotation with those guys. You know, one, one of the big things for us the second half of the season um, with that second unit was, uh, you know, the Lou and O pick and roll. And we haven't really seen that this year. Obviously, O was out the first half of the season. Um, so, you know, I think as one of the things that we can do with that second unit is, you know, get back to those guys. And I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, that those They were really effective for us last year. Chris Kirshner. Um, The other day, John expressed his frustration on not getting clarity on what his role is supposed to be. Um, you know, Nate has said before that he doesn't call plays for John and that's something that has bothered him. For, from your perspective, what is John's role when he is on the floor offensively and, and where do you see his value? Well, John's, John's one of the best finishers in the league, you know, in the pick and roll and, you know, as far as spacing bigs, you know, shooting the ball, he's a, he's a plus 40% three-point shooter. So, you know, the, the way that, that we play when we have, you know, the other team switches on us, which a lot of teams in the NBA do switch, you know, that's where he gets his pick and roll uh, post-ups from is out of those switches. So even though the play technically might not be called necessarily for John, you know, we do look to getting the ball in those situations, um, you know, spacing the floor, uh, just shooting the basketball. So I, 
he's he's certainly a big piece of our team. Um, he's a big piece of you know when when he's involved, he's certainly a, a very efficient player for us offensively as well. Um, you know, to speak to the play calls. That's I mean, I'll let Nate answer those questions. But you know, John is certainly um, you know one of the better finishers in the league, no doubt about that, from the perimeter and in the lane. Okay. Uh, next question, Kelly. Travis, just one last thing. I I know there's the theory of being the team that's now got a target on your back after having like success like you guys did a season ago. Are you noticing teams playing? you guys differently this year in certain regards? And if so, like what, what have you seen? Well, I, I do think that anytime that you have success, you know, the, it changes the way teams approach you, um, you know, and there is, there is a, a switch that, uh, that it feels like we feel like we have a switch we can just flip and, you know, we're, we're still a young team. And, and I think one of the things that we have to get back to is, you know, showing up and playing every possession as opposed to just trying to stay close and think we're going to turn it on at the end. Um, you know, I think we have to get back to that mindset that, it, that we are the under, underdog and we can't just show up and win. And um, I, I feel like our guys, our guys know that. Um, and, and I do think that, all it, all it's going to take is just to get a couple wins. You know, anytime that you have a, you know, a streak like we've had, and, and again, going back to all the, you know, to the road trip when we had, you know, 10 different guys on 10 day contracts, like, but all that, 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 that builds up a burden on the guys and just a little positive reinforcement can change things. And, and that's what we saw last year. I, we, I think it was actually in Miami last year where we were in the exact same spot, six games under 500. And, you know, we get a big win in Miami and then we have a good comeback in Orlando going the all-star break. And I think the first game back, you know, Tony Snell hits a shot in Toronto and it just kind of catapulted us. And then, you know, success breeds confidence. Um, so I really do believe that if we can just have a little success here in the next few weeks, um, even though we're playing a lot of good teams, um, that that could really turn us around. All right, Jeff Schultz. Yeah, Travis, kind of along uh, long lines of what you were just talking about. I mean, that that kind of stuff obviously is what drives coaches and GMs crazy, right? I mean, why won't you just do what you did last year? Um, <laughs> so do you, do you, what are your options? Is basically just sit back and kind of wait till it happens. I know you, you just made a trade hoping that kind of sparks things. Do you really have many other options, many other things you could do right now to sort of try to get it going? You and Nate. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, and, you know, believe me, if there was just one thing I could put my finger on or one <laughs> switch I could flip and change everything, I, I would do it. Um, you know, I think that that's what, you know, a lot of people don't understand that about, or shouldn't say don't understand, but maybe don't appreciate is that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're dealing with people as well, too. And, you know, it's not just, you know, playing fantasy GM where you take one guy off a piece of paper and put another guy in there um, like you do in your fantasy league. So, you know, dealing, dealing with with people and their personalities and their emotions and, you know, maybe they have other stuff going on in their lives. Um, so trying to factor all those things in. But um, <laughs> if there was one thing and I knew the answer, believe me, I would do it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for your time, Travis. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. Have a good weekend.